You can be seated. Well, welcome to our Lord's Supper service. Once a month we get together as a church to focus on, uh, well, what we do with the Lord's Supper. That is, look at Jesus and his, his blood, his body, his work on our behalf. Now, there are a few different phrases that are used to describe what we do tonight. Different histories, traditions, or denominations call this thing different things. We tend to call it the Lord's Supper more than anything else. That's in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 20, that phrase, Lord's Supper. Acts 2.42, a passage I referred to at the end of both services on Sunday, refers to the breaking of bread. Same thing, Lord's Supper, breaking of bread. 1 Corinthians 10 calls it communion with Christ. So maybe you grew up in a tradition that calls it communion more than Lord's Supper. If you grew up in a Roman Catholic tradition, you heard Eucharist. Eucharist means giving thanks, Greek word Eucharist, and then endings depending on whether it's a noun or a verb, but it's a Greek word which means to give thanks or to have thanks, and we see it actually in 1 Corinthians 11 verse 23 where Paul describes that Jesus before he handed out the elements, he gave thanks and then broke the bread. And passed it out. Now we may not use this last one, Eucharist, um, much around here or at all. And maybe for good reasons. Because we don't want to identify with certain theologies that go along with communion that we don't agree with. Um, But nevertheless, it reminds us that part of the purpose of this meal is Eucharist. Giving thanks. We're here tonight to give thanks. So that reminds us. Hopefully, if you've been here in the last few weeks, as we looked at the book of Colossians, that we've been seeing that theme of thankfulness pop up several times now. In Colossians 1, verse 12, we saw that thankfulness is a means by which we foster uh, more patience and endurance and joy. It's not just at the end of a list, it's part of how you do those things in that list. We saw on Sunday, Colossians 2, 7, That thankfulness is part of being rooted in Christ. Being rooted in Christ means that you are being built up. Rooted in Christ means that you are being established in the faith. And being rooted in Christ means that we are overflowing with thankfulness. Connections with thankfulness. Tonight I want to give you about ten more connections with thankfulness that we can find in the Bible. I keep saying... I've said it twice now in this Colossians series that thankfulness is not just one of the many things that Christians are to do. It's something of the essence of Christian living in in some ways. And it has connections to many other things that Christians are called to do. It's more like a root thing, more like a heart springing kind of thing in the Christian life. And so I can show us a few different ways in which that is connected in Scripture. Or you could put it this way, more reasons for us to work at. And to grow in giving thanks. I don't know about you, but I want to be more thankful. I want to be more quick at giving thanks. Yes, I mean horizontally, humanly speaking, to to those to whom thanks is due. My friends, my family. But vertical as well, and and vertical even more so. I, I want to do better at giving thanks to God more frequently and going deeper with it. And so I set myself to studying that more a little bit this week and came up with some, some ways in which we um, can encourage ourselves in thankfulness. 
connections. Here's one. Giving thanks fights pride. Giving thanks fights pride and, in fact, fosters humility. Proud people don't say thanks. Romans 1.21 tells us this is one of the marks of atheism or agnosticism. Those who don't think God's there, those who want to suppress the truth and unrighteousness and not own up to the reality of a creator God. Well, Paul gives a long list of things that describe him at the end of that list. And neither were they thankful. They don't give thanks to God. Well, they're trying to ignore that he's there. Of course they don't give thanks to God. It's interesting, though, that Paul puts that in the list. Thanks is an acknowledging of a gift. It's also an acknowledging of a need, right? Giving thanks means that I needed help. And so it's gloriously humbling. It's rightly humbling. It fights pride and fosters humility. Giving thanks also fights anxiety. We see this connection in Philippians 4, 6. Giving thanks gives perspective in the midst of worries. Philippians 4, 6 says, Don't be anxious about anything. Instead, give thanks. Give thanks. How would you give thanks when you're worried about something? There's something wrong. Therefore, you shouldn't be able to give thanks. Oh, but Paul would say, There are a million things to give thanks for, even in the midst of worse trials. We need to work at thanks, even in the midst midst of anxious-filled circumstances. You see in the Psalms so many times, these lament Psalms, you know, these cry-out Psalms, these what we could call Psalms of complaint, and so many of them are very bold in their complaint to God, very bold in their questioning of God. Where are you? Why have you? And so many of them end with thanksgiving. They've let out their complaint, and yet they know the way forward, even though it's mysterious what God is doing, what he's up to in the midst of those circumstances they're living in. They know there are reasons to give thanks, and they know that saying thanks and walking themselves through that thanks is a means by walking out of their despair. It's a means of walking themselves out of thinking that God maybe isn't there. Thankfulness is also an overflow of Christ's peace in our hearts. We see this connection right in Colossians. So we've looked at Colossians 1 and Colossians 2 where uh, thankfulness is mentioned. Look over at Colossians 3. Colossians chapter 3 where we see thankfulness again. So often the tagline after something, right? Like we've seen so far in Colossians 1 and Colossians 2. Colossians 2, after a list of things like being built up and being established in the faith, there was just overflowing with thankfulness. In Colossians 3.15, it says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let the peace of Christ dominate your thoughts and feelings. This is what you were called to in one body. And be thankful. See, the connection between the peace of Christ in our hearts and thankfulness. Giving thanks is also an overflow of the word in us. Look at the next verse. 
Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. The word of Christ in us means that it will stir our thoughts and our affections to praise, to sing, to, to shout, And of course, no doubt, a big part of that singing and shouting and praising to God is thankfulness in your hearts to Him. It's an overflow of the Word in our hearts. It's also part of being watchful. Look at Colossians 4.2. Chapter 4, verse 2, another time in which thankfulness is mentioned in this thank-filled book of Colossians. Colossians 4.2, continue steadfastly in prayer being watchful, literally it's with thanksgiving. Be watchful with thanksgiving. We watch, we're on guard, we stand firm, we stand out on the post, keeping guard by giving thanks. Giving thanks is, of course, also right in this verse, how we continue in prayer. That's how the first part of this verse began. Continue steadfastly in prayer. Prayer is part of being watchful. Thankfulness is part of being watchful. And no doubt prayer and thankfulness go together hand in glove. Thankfulness should and often does lead us to prayer. And thankfulness is often the heart of what we're praying. And we need more prayer, don't we? I know I need more prayer. Okay, here we have a connection. Thankfulness is part of the way in which we continue steadfastly in prayer. You do it with thanksgiving. Giving thanks is also, we could say, just right. Or we could say it's reality. We could say thanksgiving, giving thanks is the greatest reckoning with reality that's out there, right? It's getting reality into perspective in our minds and our thoughts and our affections. 1 Corinthians 4, Paul asks the Corinthians, what do you have that you have not received? And if you've received it, he said, then where's bragging? Where's boasting? But what's the opposite of bragging, boasting? Wouldn't it be thankfulness? That's one opposite of it, isn't it? What do you have that you have not received? We could put on a different end to that verse that Paul says there. What do you have that you have not received? And if you've received it, then why not give thanks? It's right. It's reality. You can even look back to Colossians 3. Look at verse 17. One more thankfulness verse here. Everything in this verse, it says, is to be done in his name and with giving thanks. Everything. Everything is to be done giving thanks. It's right. It's reality. It's a great reckoning with reality to give praise to whom it's due, to acknowledge from whom it comes. Giving thanks is why we are saved. Praise is why we have been saved. You see this in 2 Corinthians 4, 15. You see it there so well. Paul says, 
picking up in the middle of a sentence, so that the grace which has been spreading to more and more people, more and more people are coming in, more and more people are being forgiven, more and more people are right with God, the result of that is the giving of thanks more and more to abound to the glory of God. More and more people coming in, resulting in more and more thanks and glory and praise to God. Giving thanks also induces more and more praise. Just like more sin produces more and more blindness and more and more waywardness. And just like more love, maybe for a spouse, grows into more and more love so that Something of growing in love together in that one flesh relationship. Yeah, I know it has its peaks and valleys, but it's almost exponential, isn't it? I mean, the more you have love, the more you can love. The more you want to love, the more you're hungry for that love. In the same way, more thanks to God grows into a habit of thanks and a craving for thanks giving thanks to him. Also, giving thanks will never, ever be done. It's never enough. Let's connect our thankfulness to heaven. We will never fully acknowledge all that he's done, all that he currently is doing, all that he ever will be doing. That's what we will do forever and ever is to praise him. And we'll never stop. 1,000 years in, it's like it's the first day. That's what it says in Amazing Grace, that great old hymn, right? When we've been there 10,000 years, it's, it's like it's the first day. You, you, don't, you don't get to the end of it, and he says, all right, you can offer stop now. Cut it out. All right, I mean it. He doesn't do that, Right? I mean, I'm not one that gets any kind of applause, but, but I imagine if you were the kind that would get large, long applauses, you would feel uncomfortable. You know, the guy who wants to begin a concert and can't because they, they're applauding so long. Come on, cut it out. Not with praise to God. In heaven, it'll go on forever and ever because it's never fully as great as he is great. It's never fully a perfect, ultimate reflection of his worth. And wonder. So we will never ever fully acknowledge all that he is and all that he's doing. So we need more of it now. We need to hunger for more of it now. If it won't be enough, even in the new heaven and the new earth, think of how short we come now. Think of how short our thanks to God is compared with what thanks is due to him. We need to see good thankfulness, don't we? Uh, we need good models. Some of those good models are dead. In Scripture, you've got Paul as an example, right? We've been doing that in Colossians, seeing Paul as an example of how to pray and how to give thanks. We've been seeing Jesus from time to time show us how to pray. He teaches us how to pray. And then in John 17, he prays himself. We have, an, we have a model there. You can have outside the Bible models. You can have, a, some of you have a great book on Puritan prayers called The Valley of Vision. 
Those prayers are a great model for how to pray. You can pray them as your own, or you can use them as a springboard for your own prayers in more modern English, perhaps. But the Psalms are a a great way to see thankfulness modeled. It's good to have human models, living, flesh and breathing models, who will show us thankfulness and do it better than we do when we watch them. But God has also given us an inspired model for praying and for songwriting. And it's in Psalms. I want you to turn there, if you would, to Psalm, well, somewhere in the middle. Psalm 95 to 105 is where we want to turn our eyes tonight. And that, that means that you'll pick somewhere along the line of Psalm 95 to 105 to open your Bible first. It doesn't really matter. Psalm 95 to 105 I want to give you some observations about thankfulness in the Psalms before we look at anything here in these specific Psalms. I was asking myself this week, thinking about thankfulness, wanting more thankfulness in my life, what do I do? What, what exactly am I doing? I mean, is it just, just right on your hand, be more thankful? That's it? That's the takeaway? Can we get a little more detailed than that? Well, I have five hows that I think we see in the Psalms. Five hows for thankfulness we see. Or you can call it five levels of thankfulness that you see in the Psalms. The first is you have to see it, right? You have to see a reason for thankfulness. And if that's present tense, it's see it. And if it's past tense, something of the past, you have to recall it. You have to remember it. It has to either hit your memory, your brain, or it has to hit your eyes. You observe it. First, you have to see it, which, which means either good work, hard sometimes work at remembrance. And so many of the Psalms do this. When they say, we should praise you, Lord, we will praise you, when it calls God's people to praise him, it so often goes on this tour of Church history, you could say. Old Testament history of God's faithfulness in these stories of the past. Psalm 78 does it well. Psalm 106 does that well. But it also means for us, we have to see with eyes that are eager to be thankful in what we're observing in our lives. We have to go to work tomorrow. We have to wake kids up and send them off to school tomorrow or, or, or teach them at home. And we have to, to do this thing and that thing, go this place and that place with eyes eager for thankfulness like, like a sinful man goes gawking for girls. Now, I use that as a purposeful illustration because every guy in here knows that temptation. Every guy knows wandering eyes. And hopefully every guy in here knows the battle of fighting wandering eyes. But those wandering eyes would give us maybe a good picture of eyes that are looking for thankfulness, reasons for God's praise, reasons to see his blessings Be a blessing gawker. Second thing, I think, is step towards thankfulness is pondering it. You see it first, then you ponder it. You have to realize what it is, what what just happened. You have to realize what could have been. 
You have to realize what could have been and wasn't by God's grace. You have to think of all the ways in which it could have been worse, even in bad times. You have to show and see and think through all the ways in which his loving kindness is over all his works. Think through connections. Think through how frequently he has done this. This thing that you're just now noticing and pondering. Notice how faithful he's been to bring it into your life for years and years without your thankfulness. Without your noticing even. It takes time. It takes time to ponder like that. We need to ponder his blessings. We need to ponder who he is and ponder what he's done and what difference he makes and what he has shown us in his creation. Third, we have to feel it. You have to see it, ponder it, and then you have to feel it. This can't just be theoretical. Many places, well, like Colossians 3, tell us to be thankful in our hearts. Psalms tell us that too. Be thankful in your hearts. And that doesn't just mean emotions. That means mind and emotions. But it definitely includes the the emotional part of man. We're to feel it. True thankfulness isn't just saying thanks. It's sensing thankfulness. It's gratitude in the heart. And when we don't feel it enough, we need to see what it is we're thankful for more. Ponder it further. And then... Feel it even more. Fourth, we need to tell them. You need to see it, you need to ponder it, you need to feel it, and then you you should tell them. It's not enough just to feel it. He wants to hear it. To tell them even in descriptive ways. To recount to him our pondering of what he's done and who he is and what connections we've seen. To take it to a different level of telling it to him. Which means that we're not just saying to him, we're thankful for a thing, but we're thankful for perhaps a thing and how it came to us and why it came to us. And so that, words like how and so that and for are loaded in the Psalms to give us not just reasons for thanks, but descriptions of reason. For that thanks. Tell it to them. And lastly, I think what you see in the Psalms with thankfulness is not ending there. But it bursting over for a desire for others to catch it. To do it. To join you with it. To join you in it. So you could call this promoting it in others. You got to see it or recall it. You got to ponder it. Feel it. Tell it to him. And then... Where it's truly thankfulness, we, we want to we see it bubble over. We want others to catch it. Right? I mean, even as a kid, when you got a great, uh, great birthday present, you were thankful. You've already pondered, probably before you got it, you pondered the implications of this new toy, this, this great G.I. Joe flight deck thing that you can, I mean, it's huge, this giant toy with a lot of D-cell batteries. That's you knew it was a good one, and it required like 8D batteries. <laughs> one of those, one of those presents. You've already pondered it. You already feel it. You tell it to mom and dad. It doesn't stop there. Your friends join you in it, right? You tell them. 
And you show it to them. And we need to do that kind of thing in spreading his praise and calling others to join with us in thanks to God. So now look at Psalm 95 to 105. To no specific place, but I I want you to see these words up here on the screens scattered throughout these psalms. These are words of what these psalms call us to do. To sing, to make a joyful noise, to break forth, to come into his presence, to shout, to bless his name, to make him known, to say to glory in his name, to remember, to declare his praise, to observe, to seek him, to cry out, to exalt him, to worship him, to bow down, to give thanks, to declare, to ascribe, to be glad, to tell. This Hebrew word for give thanks that's used most often here in these specific psalms. Hebrew word yada. And if I'm not mistaken, that it has a connotation of casting and throwing. You know, of shooting something. What that means is that our, our thanks to God is, it's cast to him. It's like the picture of, you know, crowns being tossed to him. We throw our crowns down in the description of heaven's worship and revelation. Well, giving thanks is something like a hurling of praise back at them. The Psalms tell us to sing. We're familiar with that, but don't they also tell us to shout, to tell, to describe, to say, to make known. Now, that means that there's some kind of difference between singing and Telling, some kind of difference between singing and proclaiming, declaring. Psalms are often corporate, right? It's not just personal, it's not just I, it's we. And it's not just me, it's you. There's a call on the people to, to do this and to, to join with the people in God's praise. Well, tonight we're going to do something that's a little unusual for us, but we've done it before. Something we call corporate shouts of praise or corporate exclamations of God's praise. I want us to take Psalm 95 to 105, some part of that as your springboard. Now, some of you will do this quietly, and I want several of you to do it out loud. If you don't have a Bible, get up and get one like Clint's getting right now. I couldn't refuse that. Feel free to get up and get one if if you can find one around you. And let's look at Psalm 95 to 105. Let's let these verses and what they describe for us here be something of a springboard into our own corporate, quick shouts of praise. God, we pray that these shouts of joy to you would also be requests. That it would be so. That we would praise you as we should. That we would give you the thanks that's due to your name. That we would seek the Lord, our Lord. We would seek your strength continually. 
Lord, that we would remember your wondrous works. Lord, that we would see your steadfast love, your mighty deeds, that we would declare your praise. We need your help, Lord. We know to do better than we do. We know, Lord, that you deserve all of our thoughts and all of our praise. We pray you would stir up our thoughts and our affections here as we're together for a remembrance of Christ and his his death for us. But Lord, we pray we would leave this place better for it. We pray we would leave this place busy in our praise, busy in remembrance, busy in declaring. Lord, more thoughtful and more passionate in our desire to shout. Shout about who you are and what you've done. You have done, indeed, great things, and you have done great things supremely in your son, Jesus, who came and died in our place. We stand in awe of that tonight. We ask for your help tonight. And Lord, as feeble as it might be, we give you your praise tonight, Lord. We give thanks. We, Lord, we praise you for your goodness and love. Pray in Christ's name. Amen.